The second reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighbouring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the message of Jesus speak to us today and cast out all that holds us back from life and love. Amen. I want to focus on those ten verses that we've heard read just now, from that first chapter of Mark's Gospel, verses full of incident and meaning. And as it's Mark, and to help my memory, the key words for today begin with M. And the first is movement. As usual, Mark moves at a rapid pace. Moving from synagogue to home to city to mountainside to neighbouring towns and villages, all just in ten verses. To follow Jesus is to join a movement. There is no settling down, no holding back. Jesus is a saviour on the move travelling far and wide to bring God's message and God's healing to broken lives. The church, as an institution with buildings and clergy, has sometimes lost that sense of dynamic. Thank God for those who call us to move on, to change, to reform and renew to be no longer strangers but pilgrims together. The URC played its part in bringing the churches in this nation closer together. And now it faces its own challenges to move forward beyond decline and church closures to a new spirit and a new way. One, we hope, that is reflected in the new URC's 
focus at the moment, walking the way, living the life of Jesus today. I hope that we can explore that further during Lent as we look at how that living the life of Jesus is to be accomplished in our own lives. Certainly this year has challenged us to be church in new ways and to see church scattered as important as church gathered or perhaps even more important. So ask yourself, how might God be moving you today, moving you forward in that pilgrimage with Christ? And the first movement in today's Gospel reading takes Jesus from the synagogue building to the home of Simon Peter. It's in the home that a truly significant event takes place, one that perhaps we don't give enough attention to. It's the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And perhaps mother-in-law should be another of my M words. She is unnamed, but then a number of Mark's significant characters are unnamed. In all likelihood, she was a widow, dependent on her son-in-law, and seen by society as of little economic or social importance. But clearly, to Simon and to the others, she is significant. She is highly valued. They all tell Jesus of her fever. They all want him to know and to help if he can. And of course, he does. How Jesus brought healing into her life and to the lives of the many who came that night to him, we do not know. It is beyond our understanding. But healing, physically, emotionally and spiritually, is woven into Jesus' story. And we can't explain it away without tearing up the gospel as a whole. Jesus healed. And we believe heals today. And so my second M is the word mend. Jesus mends. Mends hearts and souls and relationships. Mends broken lives by his compassion his spirit of truth and power and love, pouring out time and time again. This is no magic wand trick. There are perhaps things that can't be mended in this life and can only be restored in eternity. But healing happens here and now all the same. Through the powers of nature and through human skills and knowledge and research, but also through prayers and care, service and love and compassion. And someone taking your hand in kindness can be immensely powerful. We see it time and time again.
And this is what Jesus did that day long ago in Simon's home. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her. That simple act of taking her hand restored her to health and wholeness. And that act of kindness and compassion takes me to my third M word, ministry. The fever left her and she began to serve them. That's how we heard it from the New Revised Standard Version today. The NIV puts it that the fever left her and she began to wait on them. Gives me a slight image of of waiters and waitresses. The message goes even blunter. No sooner had the fever left her than she was up fixing dinner for them. In some ways, that ordinary sense of making dinner gives a picture of the reality of service. But the actual word is ministry. She ministered to them. She served them. It's a very important word in the Christian story. And here it is used of this unnamed woman. She was one of the first ministers of Christ. She ministered to him and to his friends. James and John were there and should have learnt the lesson at that moment, but they didn't. Later they asked for the best seats in heaven and Jesus told them that he had come not to be served, but to serve. Whoever wishes, he said, to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sir Tom Moore inspired the nation, not by all the media attention that surrounded him this last year, but by that humble and cheerful act of walking around his garden to support the NHS, and his paying tribute to the many others serving in the health and care services and beyond. How are you called to service today? How are you called to be a minister in the name of Christ? I think the Methodist hymn writer Fred Pratt Green was probably inspired by that story of the unnamed mother-in-law when he wrote his hymn about the Church of Christ. The Church of Christ in every age, beset by change but spirit-led, must claim and test its heritage and keep on rising from the dead. Then let the servant church arise, a caring church that longs to be a partner 
in Christ's sacrifice and clothed in Christ's humanity. For he alone, whose blood was shed, can cure the fever in our blood and teach us how to share our bread and feed the starving multitude. We have no mission but to serve in full obedience to our Lord, to care for all without reserve and to spread his liberating word. And those images of rising up just like the mother-in-law and serving should inspire us to minister today. There are many other M words I could have picked up on. Mission and message are the final words in this story. What is the message that we need to bring? It's a message of liberation and hope for a hurting world. And Jesus decides to take that to new villages and new places, not to get stuck with the people he knew, but to reach out beyond. And he did that in a time of reflection and prayer early in the morning. In the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And so my final M words are morning and mountainside and moment. That moment apart, early in the morning, was critical for Jesus in the deciding of the next steps in his mission. I sense that Jesus used that time not to bombard God with requests, but to enjoy God's company and to seek his will for the next steps in his life. This space was space for God, a time to listen and discern. And that's something we all need for our own lives, with all the distractions and pressures on them in this busy, noisy 21st century world. Space within. Space to hear the sound of sheer silence, the still, small voice of God. So let's keep our own time to reflect on the words we've heard, on movement and mending, ministry and mission, and message and this moment a moment for God so let us pray God, of this moment, quieten our minds and warm our hearts, that we may pray in spirit and in truth, inspired by our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Help us to rest in you and to hear your liberating and life-giving word for us this day. <laughs>
Unite us in our praying with each other and with the whole church across the world. Unite us with all humanity and creation itself, crying out for hope and peace and justice. God of all people, your way is the way of peace. And we lift to you the troubled places of our world. Praying especially today for the people of Myanmar following the military coup there. Praying that peace and justice and freedom will prevail. We pray too for the peoples of the Middle East and especially for Israel and Palestine crying out for a new beginning and a new way. And we pray for humanity as it struggles with the pandemic and all its repercussions. We hold before you, Lord, those who are ill in body, mind or spirit, those in hospital or care homes, those lonely or anxious or grieving the death of a loved one. And in the silence we name them in our heart. Bring healing, bring peace, bring hope. God of eternity, we remember with hope and gratitude the lives of those who have died, placing them in your eternal safekeeping. Today we remember and give thanks for the lives of Dorothy Aikens, Janet Rowe, and Sir Tom Moore and others that we know in the silence. We thank you for their care and commitment, their love and service. And we praise you that nothing can separate them or us from your love in Christ Jesus. So I accept and use our prayers silent and spoken in the work of your kingdom we ask in jesus name